Let's take our Bibles tonight, please turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're just going to have a simple lesson tonight from the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, I know you know this parable, inside out and backwards, heard it preached a million times, but I want to focus just on one aspect of the parable of the sower. Four hearts tonight, the four hearts of mankind. We're dealing with different hearts here as we look at the Word of God. Mark chapter 4 tonight, I, I was supposed to mention, I meant to mention this morning, pray for the Axlers, they're in Brand, uh, sorry, Six Nations Reserve tonight, preaching all day at Lighthouse Baptist Church for Brother Kenny Hess. Brother Kenny had a, a death in the family, I guess, and had to go away quickly, and so pray for Brother Axler as he filled the pulpit there today, and I know he'd appreciate that. So he'll be starting in about a half hour, their evening service, and uh, so pray for him as he preaches the Word of God tonight. Mark chapter 4, all of our other preachers are here. Brother Roberts and Brother Hilton are usually a lot of times away. Anyway, preaching somewhere, we're glad to have you both here today. Amen. Mark chapter 4, but you remember these men in prayer, would you? And as they go and their wives travel with them and minister to people and pray for them, they're, they're in demand. Amen. And I'm glad, I'm glad that Bethel Baptist has always had the heritage of helping, sending out preachers and trying to do that. And so I'm so thankful these men get asked to preach and you pray for them. And some of them are, uh, some of the, the, the pre-places they preach, they're trying to help them find pastors and things. And so it's a, it's a heavy load. And so pray for them as they give guidance to those churches. Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4 tonight in verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat it sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth." But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. Well, let's just stop there for a moment and understand that the sower soweth the word. The word or the seed is the word of God. A sower sows seed. And so he's likening the word of God to seed. And we'll just put that kind of in the legend of our mind so that we understand the, the if, if this were a chart, we need a legend to understand all the different illustrations the Lord is making. And so the, the word is the seed that is sown. And the Bible says there in uh, verse 15, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now the first part of the parable, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about sowing the seed, which we now know is the word of God, 
two different types of soil. Is that right? Or the ground. There was some with rocks. There was some with thorns. There was some that uh, was by the wayside and forgotten. But the ground is the heart. That's what it says in verse 15. The Bible says right there, read it again. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So I think it's safe to say that if we are looking at the ground that Jesus Christ is speaking about, he's talking about the heart of man. The seed is the word of God sown to the heart of man. Now verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. And so now he is telling each part of these grounds or these soils, and he's helping us understand this parable. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony grounds, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. Let's ask God's help to understand this important parable. Father, we do thank you tonight for the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ that is preaching it at this moment. As we read the very words that Christ spoke, I pray that you would speak them also to our hearts. Lord, he speaks to some that would not understand. I pray, Lord, that would not be the case here. He says, let those have ears to hear let them hear. I pray that we'd be attentive. I pray that we, by the help of the Spirit of God that we would understand and hear tonight. And Lord, come to an understanding so that we might be better prepared to sow the seed of the Word of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless now. I pray that the Spirit of God would fill me. I surrender to you. I desperately need your help. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read the parable of the sower tonight, we understand that there are some variables that take place here. Every farmer understands variables, don't they? You can plant a crop and you can hope for the best and you can pray and you can cultivate the soil and you can fertilize and you can do all the things that you're supposed to do that you do every year that yields a good crop. But if the weather doesn't cooperate, you're in trouble. If you have a drought, not even enough water in the ponds to irrigate. If you don't get enough sun or if perhaps an early frost comes along and destroys the crop. I remember one time as a boy, we got so much rain one summer, I remember my grandpa saying, if it rains one more time, we're going to have to go out and just pick all the melons that are left just so that they don't rot in the field. I remember the rain came and we were out there soaking wet, knee deep in mud. It was so much fun as a kid, picking those melons in that mud. But it was because he was going to lose his crop. They were waterlogged. And so there are some variables when it comes to, to farming, but there's a couple things the Lord Jesus Christ mentions tonight that we understand are not variable. The word is incorruptible. The word is the seed that is sown. And as a farmer tonight, if you're a farmer, you might understand there's times where you get bad seed. 
I've seen crops of soybean with corn coming up through it and perhaps they got some bad seed or the ground wasn't cultivated properly the year before and there were still some things left in the ground that came back or what have I, I don't even know what the cause might be but you see other things growing I remember one year our yard had got taken by those uh those beetles whatever they are you know what I'm talking about we had grub worms underneath and they ate our whole yard I remember seeing my neighbor out the window and he was standing at the edge of his yard watching it come his way. And he was scared to death. Several yards on our street got inflicted by it. And so we went out and we got those nematodes. You know what I'm talking about? And they're, they're little parasites and you, they're so small you can't see them. And so when you buy it, you're buying nothing. Because you can't see it. You, they, they could hand you a jar of nothing and you wouldn't know any different. Because you can't see it. But you pour it into a jug of water and you hook it to your hose and you spray it out there. And sure enough, it eats those grub worms. It kills them. And then in a little while, it took us three years or so, we started planting seed and spreading soil out there again and eventually came back. But I bought this Scott's grass seed. It's supposed to be the best on the market. It come up all weedy. It come up with crabgrass in it. It come up with all kinds of mess. Gord Spong had the same problem. He redid some of his yard and it all come up wrong and weeds in it. I, I guess we just got bad seed. We cannot blame the seed in this story. It is the incorruptible, indestructible, perfect, eternal word of God. It is not variable whatsoever. What is variable was the soil. And notice what the Bible says about this soil. And I want you to notice some things that we can draw from verse 15. I mentioned to you from verse 15, the Bible says, Satan cometh and he snatches the seed from their hearts. The Lord Jesus Christ is making the comparison that the soil where the seed is sown is really the heart of man. And so there's some things that we want to draw out from that. And first of all, I want you to understand this. First of all, the work of soul winning is a spiritual work. It is something that is sown to the heart of man. It is a spiritual work. In the Bible, we see other things that involve man, but the Bible does not say that it is sown to the head. The place of reason, the place of thought or the mind. That's not what the Bible says. It was sown to the heart. That's where Satan found the seed and snatched the seed. Often we think that we can convince somebody of their need of salvation and we can reason with them and we can talk to them and through our human wisdom, how could they possibly resist what I'm offering? The, art of the, 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 the craft or the, the work of soul winning is a spiritual work and it must be sown to the heart. That's not to say that we are not to reason with them, but we are to reason with them from the scriptures. We are to help them understand that it is a spiritual need that exists in their heart. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but listen, but God giveth the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. He that plants is nothing. He that waters is nothing. And yet we are commanded to go and preach the gospel. But it is God that gives the increase, and to him be all the glory of our soul that is saved. We ought to understand that it is a spiritual work. Number two, or listen to this, sorry, Psalm 126. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves 
with him. To weep is to demonstrate brokenness before God and a deep reliance upon him. It is a spiritual work. Number two, the Holy Spirit must do the work. He must speak to the heart. If it is in fact a spiritual heart, a spiritual task, and we are working on the heart and not the mind, the Bible talks about the seat of emotion. It'll often say the bowels or the seat of the emotions, but it's not. It's speaking to the heart. If in fact somebody is to be saved by the conversion of their heart, it must be a work of the Holy Spirit. I have no way to spiritually affect a man's heart apart from the Holy Word of God working through and in him. I can argue scripture with somebody's intellect. I can illustrate it in such a way to stir up emotions. How many of you have ever been in those services? I've been in those services. I've preached those services where people get stirred and emotionally. I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily to present an emotional message or something that is stirring to the heart. and To use an illustration that talks about man's condition or his his lost estate and, and to illustrate in that way. And no doubt it will provoke the heart and it will stir emotions. But I've also seen people come to the altar in those times and leave unchanged. So we can provoke an emotional response and we can illustrate and tell a story in such a way to stir the emotions. But if we're going to have an effect on somebody, we must be filled with the Spirit in order to affect a man's heart. Thirdly, tonight from verse 15, just as I'm giving you the conclusions at the beginning in case you doze off, my prayer must be about the heart. A lot of times we pray for somebody and we ask them to change this or change that. God, would you curb their behavior? God, they're being offensive. We pray for our children and they, they're caught up in some sort of sin and we pray about that you take that sin from them. And I'm not saying it's wrong to pray specifically, but we have to understand it's a problem of the heart. And we must pray for their heart to be turned back to God. Here's the thing. If our heart changes our mind will follow. If our heart changes, our speech will follow. If our heart changes, our behavior will change. It all starts with the heart as God begins to change us and transform us from the inside out. And so God, we need to ask God to spiritually speak directly to the heart and it must be the work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice quickly tonight these four different hearts. Number one, we find in verse 4 and verse 15. So I'm going to have you kind of look and and, and mark those places in your Bible very quickly so we can jump back and forth. We have the parable, and we have the Lord's interpretation of the parable. Verse 4 and verse 15, and the first heart is this, the forgotten heart. The forgotten heart. Notice what he says in verse 4, And it came to pass, as he soweth, some fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it up. The wayside, if you would, today is the ditch. It's the place where the seed was not intended to go. Uh, You you drive out in Norfolk County and you see fields that are beautifully manicured and they're, they're, they're growing and they're getting close to harvest and everything just looks so nice. The farmer's taking good care of it. But almost inevitably, you see in the ditch a few straggling plants 
choked out by weeds and maybe not as healthy as the rest. And the farmer never intended to plant there, but perhaps the wind has caught some seed and taken it into the ditch. And perhaps uh, uh, the spreader was set a little wrong and as they broadcast that seed, it went a little too far into the ditch. And so some got overcast and took root there. But it's forgotten. There's no plan to ever harvest that seed. There's too many weeds. It's too dangerous to go down into that ditch. It might have water running through it and you just get your tractor bogged down. But it's not there on purpose. The word wayside in the Bible literally means a forgotten place. And often we have this this idea that, that uh, as we sow the seed, it's always going to fall on good ground. And somebody has said, and they're not wrong whatsoever, there's no bad place to preach the gospel. Every man, woman, and child needs to hear the precious good news of Jesus Christ. But I just want you to under, help you understand tonight that there's different types of soil. And one of them is the forgotten heart. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says in verse 15 as we understand the interpretation of it. And these are they by the wayside, the forgotten places, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. I think this represents tonight those who receive the seed, but it is not nurtured and taken care of. You know, I, I appreciate... And understand that the word of God shall not return void. I believe there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. One time my wife and I were traveling back from uh, Kingston. And we stopped at a restaurant in about the Oshawa area, I guess it was. It was a Panera bread. We wanted a sandwich and a soup. And so we stopped at the Panera bread there, right at the highway. And I went into the restroom and on the counter was a gospel track from Faithway Baptist Church. And so I, I, took, I picked up the track. I was interested when I saw it, and I picked it up, and I looked at oh, Faithway Baptist Church. And so I, I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Pastor Wall, and I said, hey, I appreciate your people out and about leaving tracks wherever they go. That's a wonderful thing. But I wonder sometimes if somebody were to read that track and say, I, I believe that. I believe I need to be saved. Who's nurturing them? The Ethiopian eunuch was reading a Bible. He says, how can I understand unless somebody show me? And God miraculously sent Philip beside him and opened up the word of God and helped him to understand the message of salvation. And listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you tonight, don't leave gospel tracks wherever you go. I think that's a good thing and that's a helpful thing. But listen, there's a lot of forgotten people out there that hear the gospel and sometimes we will share the gospel with somebody and we don't follow up. We need to invite them to church. We need to get them into a connection group. We need to get them into a Sunday school class. We need to get them into a discipleship program. We need to help them along the way and teach them and nurture them and grow them. Why? Because if not, they'll become the forgotten people of the Bible. And when we forget people in the Bible, the Bible says in verse 15, that Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. I suppose tonight if I were to ask all over this room, we could raise our hands and testify of somebody that we know that we shared the gospel with or we heard about the gospel getting into their heart and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and maybe even walked the highland tears and entered into the baptismal tank and within just a few short days or weeks they were gone. 
They were never nurtured. They were the forgotten ones. But we see more in the Word of God, and I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to move to the next. Look at verse 5. And some fell on stony ground. Here's another heart. Where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. I call this the fragile heart. The wayside is the place that is forgotten, but the fragile heart is the one that is scorched by the sun and burns away easily. Shortly after, just the same week, my daughter Emily suffered a miscarriage. I said to her, why don't you come up for a couple days? Matthew's boss would give him a couple days off work to be with her. And I said, why don't you guys come up? And so they came up for a couple days and Matthew preached on Wednesday night. And he preached on just this right here. And the insight he had into this passage of scripture was incredible. He said, you know, he says, the sun is there to help you grow. He says, you cannot grow A plant will not grow without the sun, without photosynthesis. He says the sun is there. He says plants will will stretch up towards the sun. A flower will turn in a window towards the sun. He says the sun is there to help you. But he says in this case, trials and tribulations came, and instead of helping, the sun scorched. I never thought about it like that before. So these are the fragile hearts. How many times have we seen somebody that received the word of God, but when persecution came, when troubles arose, when when their hearts began to ache, then they slipped away very quickly. The Lord Jesus Christ speaks to them in verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time afterward... When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. There's a key word there. It's the word offended. And here's why. Because Jesus said offenses must come. We're all going to get offended. There's going to be things that hurt us from time to time. There's going to be a brother or sister in Christ that say something. They may not even know they said it, but it's unkind or it's hurtful or it's maybe just bad timing. But here's what the Bible says. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. He says, so what is wrong with these people on stony ground that get easily offended? They need the word of God. We need to make sure that we are grounding them and helping them, surrounding them. We've had a lot of funerals lately. Last, I was trying to count the other day, I think, not that I've been involved in all of them, but I think we've had 11 funerals in the last three months. Just family members of church people, whatever, friends. There's, there's some people that need us to come alongside them. I'm not saying that any one of them is in danger of of, of being scorched by the sun. But I'm saying it's times like those where people hurt the most and they wonder and they ask questions, why, God? We need to support them. But we need to support them with the word of God. There's no depth within themselves. Persecution and affliction they cannot endure because they're not yet standing on their own. 
This becomes the responsibility of both the soul winner and the Christian to be rooted in the Word of God. Then we see a third heart, verse 7. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. I want to suggest to you tonight that this is the flippant heart. The flippant heart. You say, why why would you call it that? This is the person who doesn't take salvation seriously. They're playing church. One foot in the church and one foot in the world, as it's said. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says about them. If you look down in verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Understand this, in order for seed to take root, it must enter in. It is put in the ground. It is planted within the soil. As God's word is planted in the heart, the Bible says something else enters in. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of richness and other things enter in and they choke out that seed. Sometimes we see people that are, we've made, can can I just say that we've made salvation a little too simple sometimes. Well, you just, you just come and get saved and, you know, don't, don't worry about your life and don't worry about what you're doing. and don't, just, just come and pray this prayer of faith and ask Jesus to save you and, and just see what he will do in your life. And I have no doubt the Lord can do whatever he wants and he can clean up a life. But listen, friends, I still believe the Bible preaches, repent ye therefore and be saved. Repent ye therefore likewise and perish, it says in Luke 13, 3. John the Baptist came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was talking about the coming Messiah and the kingdom on earth, but the concept of the same, God is coming, you better repent. You better turn from your wicked ways. And friends, we have have taken salvation to the point where there's no repentance anymore. And the flippant heart gets away with praying a little sinner's prayer and praying some thing on the back of a gospel track, but there's no conversion in the heart. There's no change in the life. They've not forsaken the path of the old world and turned directly to Jesus Christ. And that's what repentance is, forgetting everything else and trusting only Jesus. And so they're flippant. Years ago, I had a fellow that was taken up in sin and he wouldn't talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it much. His wife had told me about it, and she said, would you talk to him? I said, I'll try. And we talked. He didn't want to come out and say, and that's fine. But I found out he was going to a different church every single week. And I said to him, finally, I said, are you just going to a church every week because you're looking for one that agrees with your lifestyle? He said, that's exactly what I'm doing. 20 years later, he'd find one easily. But back then it wasn't so easy. That's a flippant salvation. And it's not salvation at all. The cares of this world will choke it out if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It's not fruitful. And then we see the last heart is the fruitful heart. Look at verse 8. I'm just trying to show you what you're up against when you're trying to share the gospel. 
So far, we're 0 for 3, aren't we? Well, there's good news. And I want to I share with you that I believe that God can save all four. I believe that. Let me show you what the Bible says. Verse 8. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 20 gives us the interpretation, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You might have noticed last Sunday night, and again this, this morning, we had a family sitting on the back row, and he's hard to miss. He's six foot five, big tall fellow, Hank Rutenbeek. And I met Hank about two years ago. And uh, Hank had come out of uh, the Reformed Church of Canada. And he says, but our church was so strongly Reformed. He says, I found a gospel tract that talked about salvation through, by grace through faith. He said, I took it to my pastor. And I said, what does this mean, this uh, Ephesians chapter 2? And, and he said, I began to ask him. And his minister, pastor, whatever, said this, that's God's business. We don't talk about that in our church. By the way, that's all we're supposed to talk about in church is God's business. But salvation was such a delicate topic. He said, that is God's business. We don't want to mess with it. They were so strongly Calvinist that they felt like it doesn't matter what we say anyway. It doesn't matter what we preach or teach. It doesn't matter if we share the gospel because God's going to save whoever he wants anyway. He is completely 100% sovereign in the area of salvation. I believe God's sovereign. But I believe in his sovereignty, he sent his son and decided that all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation can be gloriously born again. That's what I believe. And so Hank says, I struggled with that. And he says, I just kept reading it. And he says, he says I was miserable. And his wife sat there and said, he was miserable. He says, so finally, he says, I, after months and months of praying and reading my Bible and trying to understand, he says, okay, I, I still have this track of my Bible. He says, I, I need to do what it says and pray this prayer. And he says, I, he says, I drove to the church and he says, I sat in, he's a police officer. I sat in my police car and he says, I prayed that prayer sitting outside in the church parking lot. He says, but nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. He says, I didn't get all warm and fuzzy. I couldn't figure out what I did wrong. So he said, I thought you must have to put a suit on and go in the doors. So he says, Sunday I got my family up and I put on a suit. And he says, I went to church. And he says, well, I walked in the doors and I sat in the pew and I prayed that prayer again. And nothing happened. And he says, I just couldn't figure it out. He says, so I went after and I talked to the pastor and I prayed a little bit more. And he says, a couple days later, he says, it dawned on me. That it's just simple childlike faith. That I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And I cried out to the Lord and he saved my soul. And I looked at his wife, Carolyn, and I said, Carolyn, did you notice a difference then? She goes, oh man. She says, he was miserable. She says, he was at the point where I didn't even understand it. She says, but I said, would you either get saved or give this up completely? It was driving her crazy. And two weeks later, she would accept Christ. They live quite a ways from here, and they've been going to church up in Woodstock area, but now they're looking for something a little bit more, and they've been just hungry, and so they came last Sunday night and again today, and 
You pray for them as they search and as they seek the Lord. And they've been, since they've been baptized, they're going on a mission trip this summer to Newfoundland, one of our missionaries, the Dinsmores. And so praise the Lord for to see the growth in their life since I saw them last a couple years ago. That's what a fruitful heart looks like. They'll receive the word of God and it'll bring forth fruit. Now I said I believe that these other soils can bring forth fruit as well. I said, how is it? Well, we talked about the forgotten heart. We talked about the fragile heart. Here's the thing. We have to understand the soil that we're dealing with. I want to suggest to you tonight that probably 99% of the hearts in this area are stony, hard ground. Several years ago, behind where my mom lives, they, they put in ginseng. And Frank was telling me about that, and I'd ask him to come tell you, but he'd, he'd kill me. He says, how, how deep did they plow down? Like four feet? And they put hundreds of tons of manure on that field. I'm sorry, you're not supposed to say manure in the pulpit. But they, they cultivated that land, and they cultivated that land, and they, and they went down deep as the deepest plows you could get, and they put... Hundreds of tons and trucks came and they, they buried that manure and they just completely redid that entire field to plant their ginseng crop for the next several years. Sometimes some soil takes some cultivation. And what is stony ground out there today? Do you, do you understand our forefathers that came down here and farmed in this area had to move a lot of stones, cut down a lot of trees, pull a lot of weeds and cultivate a lot of ground. I'm just saying that stony ground may never receive the seed, but stony ground doesn't have to stay stony ground. Through the prayers of God's people and the working upon the heart of the Holy Spirit, it can change and finally become good ground that will receive seed. I'm not here to disagree with the Lord and say that stony ground can be saved. I'm saying stony ground can be changed so that it can be saved. It can become good ground. What about the fragile heart that withers away? What if it had just a little discipleship? What if we get to get a hold of somebody and, and, and help them with the word of God? I had somebody sit in my office this week and they're struggling with a life decision. But they said this, you know, I've been discipled. Somebody has helped me along the way and I've been taught and I know what's right, but it's so hard. I'm thankful they know what's right. Because they've been discipled in the word of God. A lot of times they just wither away. Rather than make the hard decision and push forward for the glory of God, it's sometimes easy just to capitulate and to cave in and allow the world to creep back in. But I believe they want to do right. We need to ground them in the word of God. Any wayside or rocky ground can be useful if it's properly tilled and prepared. Prayer is our greatest resource in preparing the ground. I've told you before, my wife prayed for, I think, 25 years for her dad to be saved. And finally, that hard, old, stony heart that most people had forgotten, you could call it the wayside. Finally, his heart broke and he accepted Jesus as his Savior. They say, oh, but was it rocky ground? I don't think it was at that point. I think through prayer of, of my wife, God had changed the rocky heart to good soil so that it could receive seed and bring forth fruit. Here's the thing. 
Sometimes we look at somebody and say, well, that's just stony ground. They'll never get saved. What you're really saying is, I'm just too lazy to do the cultivation. I'm not going to dedicate myself to prayer for that person. I don't love them enough to, to put the effort in. You say, I'm not condemning you. I'm saying that about me too. Well, I gave them the gospel. They know the truth. But have we cultivated? Do we continue to pray? Do we hold them up before the Lord? The word of God is compared to a plow. It says, I believe in the book of Hosea, that the word can break up the fallow ground so they can receive seed again and prepare for the rain. All it takes is the Spirit of God, not us. We think we can go in and just say, hey, you need to be saved. And, and some, I mean, the fish are jumping. They're going to just come right up to you and ask you if you can be, how to be saved. This is a pretty stony world out there. There's a lot of thorns out there. A lot of cares of this world out there. But perhaps if we get, take them before the Lord, he can begin to cultivate that ground. So when the opportunity comes, we can sow the seed. Just consider tonight the ground. I, I don't think I made your task any easier. That's for sure. But by the grace of God and the power of prayer, Maybe we'll see some folks saved. Let's pray. Father, help us. Speak to our hearts. Help us to realize, Lord, we hear of these revivals of the past and thousands saved in one night. Of bars closing down because the drunks were all saved. And Father, we wonder, can God do that again? But Lord, it's going to take a people of prayer. We need enough soil to sow the seed. Enough hearts that are hungry for the word of God. But Lord, we know that there's a lot of stony places, a lot of wayside places, a lot that are choked out by the cares of this world and the riches of this world. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, each that have a person on our mind tonight. It's funny, when we talk about this, often there's a, a name that will pop in our head somebody we should be praying for, somebody we should be witnessing to. Lord, I pray that we would be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And understand that if we just continuously pray and seek God's face, that perhaps that ground will change. God will cultivate the heart that it might receive the seed of the word of God and find good ground. Help us, Lord, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Maybe there is that one you've been thinking about. Would you commit them to the prayer, to the word, to the Lord tonight? Maybe they got a stony heart. Maybe it's a wayside place. They've been forgotten. Maybe the cares of this world and the riches. The Bible, didn't Jesus say it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven? doesn't mean it's impossible it's just easier but if we pray for that ground to be cultivated maybe just maybe God will save them would you pray tonight 
Maybe tonight, part of the problem is there's some good ground around you, but we're not sowing the seed like we ought to.